from the Delaware House Democratic Caucus, you're listening to Whip Count. This week, we're talking about the women's suffrage movement. This is a movement where women sought to change voting laws to allow them to vote. August 2020 marks the centennial celebration of women winning the right to vote. The road to this victory included decades of resistance, protesting, and in some cases, outright violence. The fight went on for more than 40 years, and Delaware was divided on the issue of voting rights for women. The 19th Amendment, which was first introduced in 1878, guarantees all American women the right to vote. By August 18, 1920, the amendment was ratified when Tennessee became the 36th and final state needed to make women's voting rights part of the U.S. Constitution. At one point, Delaware gained national attention when it was expected to be the last state to ratify the amendment. Unfortunately, that did not happen because the General Assembly in the first state failed to produce the votes necessary to make history. However, several years later, on March 6, 1923, Delaware joined other states in supporting the women's suffrage movement. House Majority Leader Valerie Longhurst is on the line to discuss the women's suffrage movement. She's an advocate for equality, women's equality, and prime sponsor of House Concurrent Resolution 21, which recognizes the 100th anniversary of the 19th Amendment. Welcome, Representative Longhurst. Hello, how are you? I'm well. So tell us, how did this resolution come about? So House Concurrent Resolution Number 21 came about with a discussion that I had with a good friend, Susan Judge Del Pesco. She helped me with a lot of legislation in Dover, and we were talking about women's history. And the women's suffrage came up, the 100th anniversary, and we sat down and talked about what we could do in the state of Delaware to recognize the trailblazing women that gave us our right to vote. And that's when we decided to put the resolution together to form a committee and get everybody involved from all three counties to put on a parade and some educational pieces in the state to raise awareness for this wonderful monumental year. So tell us the right to vote is one way women can be heard. What are other avenues, just other avenues women can take to have their voices heard? So I think it starts at a young age. I don't think we need to say just women. We need to say girls because in an early age, we need to get girls active and involved. So I think at the middle, I think you could start as early as elementary as educating children at an early age through the community, through school, from the elementary to the middle school, to the high school, to college, and just to get them aware of the impact that they could have on in, in their state that they live. And you could do that through the schools, through community organizations, or just come to the Delaware General Assembly. I know we've done a lot of legislation with a lot of schools over the years, and it's always encouraging when you see young girls participating in activism and equal rights and equal pay for women. So I think you can go through the General Assembly, schools, community organizations, and I think girls should start early. Yes, I agree. I remember as a young child, my parents would always take 
me to the voting polls with them. It was something I began to look forward to. So this next question may not be a fair one, but can you take us back to the very first time you voted and tell us how did you feel? Well, I'll start with I always take my kids to the voting booth when they were young. I would take them in because I think most people just have the fear of going to the voting booth and not knowing what to do. And for you to take your child into the voting booth is a good way to start educating them early about what how the process works. So I'm glad that your mom did that with you. So my first recognition of getting involved in politics, I lived in a household where my dad was a Republican and my mom was a Democrat. And I became a Democrat because I think my mom made more sense than my dad. And, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and, and I remember them arguing about Jimmy Carter when he was running for office. And he seemed like such a neat, decent human being that I was taken, I was taken in with him and listening to my mom having a conversation about him. I didn't get to vote because I was too young, but I would have loved to have voted for him. So I think the next the presidency thereafter was President Clinton. And I voted for President Clinton because I think you have to believe that you have to figure out what you believe in and then you have to align that with the person that you want to vote for. And it's just about just about reading, educating yourself and seeing where those two beliefs come into place. But I can say when I voted for Bill Clinton, that was probably one of the highlights of, of one of the biggest voting times that I remember. So you were too young to vote for then President Carter, but you remember voting for President Bill Clinton at the time. Absolutely. That sounds amazing. So is there a particular blueprint that you use to help you vote? You mentioned getting to know the person that you're interested in. Is that all? No, I think it starts, you have to believe in yourself and believe, understand what your values and what you want in the president. So you have to know who you are and what you stand for. And once you figure out who you are and what you stand for, then when you're looking for a candidate, you want them to align with it. So I think educating yourself and believing and knowing who you are makes it easier for you to understand who you should be voting for. And it's obviously, you know, reviewing where they stand on issues and making sure they align with you. So the blueprint is knowing who you are and then being able to pick that candidate that aligns with what you believe in. So I think that's kind of a basic foundation for a blueprint. Okay. Now, celebrating the 100th anniversary of the 19th Amendment is important. It's important to know your history, our history, and not repeat past mistakes. What can women do to make sure we stay on the right path? Being engaged, playing it forward. You know, as a as a mother of a daughter, I want to make sure she understands the woman's right to vote and the challenges that they faced and what they went through for her to have the right to vote and just sharing those stories, making sure they understand the history of it. And so she could pass it to the next generation and just making sure that you're educating people, you're recognizing it and you're standing up for what's right. As we reflect on the women's suffrage movement, how do you maintain such great poise and confidence being in a male-dominated field as a legislator? Well, that's a good question. It's, it's challenging because we are we're starting to get a little bit more diversity in the General Assembly. But I've always had this, I've always had this way that I uh, approach 
a lot of things in life, whether it be personal or professional, is that you have a brick wall in front of you, and we all have brick walls in front of us, right? And we have to decide how we're going to get through it, right? You could either go crawl over it, mm-hmm. you could dig under it, you can go around it, or you can bust right through it. So those are my choices in life. And I have to decide when I want to move forward with legislation or work with my colleagues is which method is going to get us through the finish line. And even though that there's a brick wall, you have to keep fighting through it. You can't let it stop you. There's always a solution. You could always figure out how to how to get it done. And with in my general assembly with uh, my colleagues, my female colleagues, it's always nice to have a tribe of women behind me because we all stand strong when we go forward and we support one another. And it's all about, you know, everybody getting along and trying to work together for one common goal and busting through that wall. Thank you. One last question since I have you here. Name a Delaware woman who inspires you. Doesn't have to be a political person. It could be someone in the family. Well, it's not a political person. It's somebody that I gave birth to. 26 years ago, and that would be my daughter, Peyton. And the reason why I say I, she's probably the one person that I admire the most in my life. She has defined who I am. She has brought me to the General Assembly because when she was two years old, she came down with an autoimmune disease called alopecia areata where she lost all of her hair. And, you know, that's challenging. People looked at her like she may have been dying. She had cancer. But um, we got through it, even though children make fun of her. She got through it and she was resilient and she had so much confidence and she came overcame so many obstacles and stood strong. And I'm like, if this little girl can do this, I could do this. And the reason why I got involved in politics is because I wanted to be the best champion for her. And she made me realize that I wanted to be champion for other people. And she is just an amazing, resilient, confident young woman that has changed my life and changed the direction of my life. She's one wonderful daughter and she has passion and we have a lot in common. We both are Democrats and we have some great conversations. She keeps me grounded and she's just a force to be reckoned with. And she's my daughter, so I'm very proud of that. Now I'd like to take this time to introduce Jackie Griffith, chair of the Women's Suffrage Centennial Committee. She's also the special assistant to the president at Delaware State University. Welcome, Jackie. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So tell me, how did you fall into this role? Well, I received a call from Representative Longhurst who asked me if I would be willing to serve as the chair. And, you know, you can't turn her down. So I said, absolutely. So I started that, I believe, in September. That sounds about right. Yeah, that sounds about right. You cannot turn Representative (laughs) Longhurst down at all. She's definitely a strong woman. We love that about her. So what are your goals? What do you hope to accomplish with this committee? Well, with this committee, what we have set out to accomplish was really to educate um, the state about the suffrage movement and to highlight the 19th Amendment and the, you know, 100th year. So we've been doing that. We were going into the schools, providing information to the schools, working with the Department of Education to really um, educate the young people about the the suffrage movement, 
and the impact. So that was one of the, I think one of the, the best things was to talk to the young people and have them understand the importance. Tell me about that experience. Were they shocked or amazed at all? No, I think they rather enjoyed it. And there was interactive materials and things like that that were provided to them, you know, lesson plans for the for the students, you know, and the for the teachers to help the students understand more about the movement. Now, while we celebrate 1920, the year the 19th Amendment was ratified by the U.S. Congress, black women still faced many obstacles in exercising their voting rights. Is that something your committee touched on? That was something that we touched on as, you know, looking at this and doing research. It was, you know, as I looked, although 1920 was the date, 1954 was when the first one black woman actually voted. So we were engaged with the sororities so that we could work with them. And a lot of them, well, especially the Deltas, they were really part of the movement back in, you know, getting the right to vote back in 1920, although they weren't ones that were voting. It seems like there were a lot of things going on or a lot of things filled in the month of August when it comes to history. On August 6, 1965, the Voting Rights Act passed as well, which prohibits racial discrimination in voting. So lots of things to celebrate this month. It is. It is. And that's one of the things that, you know, people don't realize, you know, so that that was a historic moment and something that should be, you know, recognized as well. How do we keep the momentum going when it comes to women and celebrating our voting rights? Well, one of the things that that we should do is, you know, although this is the centennial, but I think it should be something that like each each year throughout the year, we have Women's Equality Day. So find ways to celebrate, educate, work together to make sure that it's not forgotten and what it really means to be able to vote. And I like that Representative Longhurst, Senator Poor, others in, you know, our General Assembly are working on legislation and have been passing legislation to do the equality, you know, for for the equal rights. So I think that's something that is on the forefront of our legislators' mind, which is a good thing. Like I said, Representative Longhurst has been instrumental in that. So I think um, being engaged with our with our legislators and talking to them about different things and, you know, having more, more learning tools, you know, educating each other and making sure that although it's 100 years, you know, that this happened again, it took, you know, another 34 for the first black woman to vote. But also, more importantly, in 2020, there's so many other things that we're still fighting as far as voting rights that's affecting, you know, a lot of different demographic. So I think it's it's just important to engage with our leaders and to let them know, you know, our concerns and how they can help because I know they want to help us. That's why they're there. So I think that will be important as well. Thank you for sharing that. I understand the pandemic has changed the way the committee had planned to to celebrate uh, 100 years. Uh, so you had to go back to the drawing board. Are we or should we expect anything next year? You should. So we really did have to go back and re 
adjust our plans because we had plans of a march, the monument to be dedicated, honoring suffrage women in the suffrage movement. We had receptions planned. We had more things planned within the schools through Department of Education. And a lot of those had to kind of take a backseat. So what we are able to proceed with is getting the historical markers, one in each county and in the city of Wilmington, honoring the suffrage movement. In the spring of 2021, we're planning and hoping that we can continue the events that we had set up for this year. So that would mean definitely the monument being dedicated and a reception. So hopefully we're very optimistic that we'll be able to have a march soon too. So we want to do all the things we plan. It's just it's just delayed at the moment. I understand. I cannot let you go without asking you this one question. Is there a woman she doesn't have to be from Delaware, but is there a woman who inspires you? Anyone who inspires you that you would like to uh, just pay homage to right now? Oh, sure. So I would have to say I, I, I have the utmost respect and I wouldn't be where I am without this woman who's my late grandmother who helped raise me. So my late grandmother, she was able to vote later in life. She passed away in 1999, but she voted later in, in life, and she was a president of her senior citizen center. So she worked at Davidson College in Davidson, North Carolina. I'm originally from Charlotte, and she was a cook. She never went to school, no formal education. So I think she would be proud to know that her granddaughter is actually the special assistant to a president of a higher education institution. So I would like to say without her and her support and encouraging me and being there for me, I don't think that I would have actually been able to leave home and go into the military and on to college. So I think that that without her, I don't know where I would be. So I would definitely say my grandmother, who suffered from a lot of inequality, she did not have, you know, a lot of opportunity. But she worked hard and she she provided for her family and she always wanted her grandchildren to do better than she did. So she encouraged us to do that. So I can say 99% of her 17 grandchildren are all college educated and have gone on to college as well as served in the military. Like me, we mostly did both at the same time, went to college and served our country at the same time. So I think that's huge from, you know, a long history of poverty and growing up in the South. So I like to say that it's my grandmother, Thelma Cochran, who inspires me still to this day. Well, thank you for sharing that story. I am happy to hear about Thelma Cochran. Any relation to Johnny Cochran? No, I don't think so. Okay. Unless he's from North Carolina. Okay, yeah. No, just kidding. I just wanted to throw it out there. But thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for all that you're doing. We look forward to the events next year. And just, again, thank you for even sharing your story on this special podcast dedicated to the women's suffrage movement. Oh, thank you for having me. It's an honor.
Representative Kendra Johnson, welcome and thanks for joining us on this special podcast dedicated to the women's suffrage movement. Well, thank you for having me. I'm excited about being on this podcast. Tell me what comes to your mind when you hear about the women's suffrage movement. My goodness, they must have been some really strong, powerful, passionate women. Because you just, you know, you have to be that strong and that powerful and you have to have stick-to-itness to, you know, one, recognize that I deserve to have the right to vote, but then to not give up in the fight for that vote. How amazing those women were. Yes, they were. Wow. When you reflect on that, you, you can you you can only say to yourself that takes a lot of strength, yeah. a lot of resiliency. Yeah, absolutely. Which brings me to my next question. Do you remember the first time you actually voted? <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> not at all. I, I have no idea. I, I can't remember it, not even a, a little bit, which is hilarious just in thinking about it because you'd think it would just be that one thing that, that's in your mind, but it isn't. What I remember more than my first time voting was that as a young person, as a teenager, um, watching my grandparents go out to vote. And it wasn't like there, you know, it was a, a long family discussion on the importance of voting and why you do this. It wasn't any of that at all. My grandparents were just, you know, simple, regular old people. And they, you know, they lived through a time when you know, black folks couldn't vote. So for them, they got up every time it was time to vote. And they just did it. And I looked at them. You know, we say lead by example. They didn't have long conversations. They led by example. And their example showed me that it was very important to always participate and exercise your vote. So I have no idea. I can't even remember. <laughs> My- I understand. I'm in the same boat. I'm, I'm in the same boat with you. <laughs> Now, you mentioned your grandparents taking you to the voting polls. Mm-hmm. Is that something you you practice with your your children? Oh my goodness, absolutely. Absolutely. My children, my children are are, are lucky and a lot of other children are lucky as well because my kids were 3, 3 years old um when we were voting for Barack Obama. So literally from the moment they really understood words and voting and presidents, like my kids experienced the first black president, you know, consecutively. And the first time we went to to uh, vote for uh, Barack Obama, our children were in line with us. And I still have pictures to this day where, you know, we took the kids with us to vote and any other opportunity we had for, you know, voting in presidential primaries or generals, but beyond that, even voting at the state level, because oftentimes people, you know, they get so caught up in just the presidential race. Well, yes, that impacts our lives, but you know what else impacts your everyday life? 
participating in your state elections and your local elections, be that for school board, for county council, your, your state representative, your state senator, all of those roles matter because they represent you. That's very true. Some people think when it comes to voting that you just go into the polls. I, I want to know, is there a particular process for you? How do you vote? Is there a blueprint to the way you vote? Uh, my first thought is, no, there is no blueprint to how I vote. But when I give it some thought, I guess this, it really is, you know. So initially, when someone comes across as wanting to represent me, the first thing I'm curious about is, one, who is this person? Uh, where did they come from? What is their background? What is what what are they passionate about? And then once I, I evaluate all those things, I think about whether or not any of the information that I have gathered resonates with me and whether or not it is congruent to my own value systems and beliefs. And then, of course, for me, everything is about service. You know, being able to demonstrate a, a track record that is about service and not about, not ego driven. So. Yes. You know, so many women, trailblazing leaders have paved the way for many of us to take leadership roles. Yes. Uh, is there a particular woman who you can name, maybe from Delaware, maybe someone in your family who inspires you? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh, wow, there's, there's a lot of women. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so let me, that, that inspires me. So I, I would have to start with, with the women in my family. You know, when I think about the struggles that my great-grandparents and, you know, great-great-grandmother and grandmother and um, great-aunt and aunt that they lived during a time where, one, we were living, they lived during a time of segregation. Two, they lived during a time when they weren't able to vote um, but yet they continue to, as, as we say, they, they, they continue to go on. And in them, in their, in their strength, because they never gave up, they created me. Um, then I, I think about educators, my high school mentor, who is still a part of my life today, which is wild, but my high school mentor, you know, the impact that she left on my life um, to instill in me that I was a powerful young person who could do amazing things. Well, thank you so much. See, I told you it was painless. Ah. Thank you. <laughs> I like to end this conversation with Genevieve Worley. She's covered a wide range of events from the women's suffrage movement to women's equality for the House Majority Caucus. Genevieve, tell us about your experience. Any memorable moments? So I think that one of my most memorable experiences was uh, joining the House shortly after the Equal Rights Amendment was passed. It was just so great to see so many female legislators come together 
and just get this historic achievement. I mean, this is something that's been in the work for, gosh, at least 100 years. And to finally see it come to fruition, it was a really great thing. I'm going to throw this in there. Do you remember the first time you voted? Yeah, the first time I voted was actually, I was 18. It was my first year of college. And I was actually working in the 2016 election cycle um, for Hillary Clinton's campaign. So it was really awesome to just be entrenched in the political cycle and to have that as my first time voting. That's good. I'm happy to hear it. Any any thoughts, anything you'd like to add about the women's suffrage movement that you will always hold close to your heart? So I think something that I hold close to my heart is the fact that we're 100 years out from women's suffrage. And to just look back over and see all the accomplishments and see how many female legislators we have representing us, not only in the House Majority Caucus, but if you just look in Congress, we're seeing our first uh, female vice president potentially this year coming up. So I think that's a really amazing accomplishment for the past 100 years. Yes. So, okay, for those who are listening, please get a pen and paper. We're going to close with trivia, sort of like a rapid fire. Now, this is a great opportunity to test your knowledge as well as test Genevieve in a friendly way, of course. So what year was the 19th Amendment introduced? 1878. Okay. And really quick, what year was the 19th Amendment ratified? 1920. Okay, so Delaware belatedly supported the women's suffrage movement on what date? Not until March 6, 1923, but better late than never. Exactly. Where can we learn more about the women's suffrage movement here in Delaware? There's a really great website that highlights a lot of what the women's suffrage subcommittee has been doing and a lot of great exhibits there, and you can go to de.gov slash women vote 100 and that is where you can find that anything else you'd like to add at all Genevieve I guess you get 100 so that's good (laughs) no it's been great talking to you and I'm so excited to hear about all the other accomplishments that the subcommittee has been working on any one in particular any woman who inspires you family political person who can you tell us I would say that someone that I've looked up to for a while, even before I moved to Delaware, is our Congresswoman, Lisa Blount Rochester. I just think she's an absolutely incredible human being. She is such a caring woman, and she always makes time for everybody. She'll remember your name no matter who you are, and I think that she's just such a great example for everyone to look up to and someone that everyone should be more like. Whip Count is brought to you by the Delaware House Democratic Caucus. Follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash DE House Dems, on Twitter at DE House Dems, on Instagram also at DE House Dems. More episodes are coming, so make sure you're subscribed.